Welcome to the Live Life Out Loud Conversations. I'm your host, Nicole Long, owner and founder of Coaching for Life LLC and Coaching for Life Books. This is the podcast for all my multi-passionate creators and dreamers who are ready to tell their story and monetize their passions. We'll cover topics from A to Z in this podcast, all to help you, my multi-passionate friend, personify faith in action and really live your biggest dreams out loud. Let's do this. Welcome, friends. I am so excited to introduce to you today's podcast with Miss Vivian. It has been long awaiting uh, between the last time we recorded this. We were experiencing the corona pandemic. We um, then went through the riots and then we went through now where we're kind of going in the phase two of the corona flare-up. So we will see what happens, but this information is so timely and I cannot wait to dive in. So let's get to it. (laughs) All right. So we're going to really just kind of jump right on in here. So if you first just, hey, thank you for joining us. I'm so excited to learn more about you, your business, and the things that you are doing for our community overall and just you as a person. If you would tell us your name, and your special gift and purpose that you do um, in work form, but that's really, truly you. Well, I'm happy to be here. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This is always a wonderful time to connect with our different audiences in the virtual world. My name is Vivian Oladen. I'm a marketing strategist and author. I wrote the book Stumbling Through Adulthood, which is a guided journal to help us fail forward. And I'm the owner of Flourish Media, which is a boutique marketing firm based in Miami, Florida. We focus on marketing training and development for small businesses so that they can speak clearly to the audiences that mean the most to them on the platforms that make the most impact. Wonderful. And it's an honor to have you. So how did you kind of get into this industry in this world? Well, I never thought that I would be an entrepreneur. I never, it wasn't something that I aspired to do. Just like we're in this pandemic right now, when I graduated with my master's degree, it was in the middle of the recession. Okay. Uh, so I was studying political science and public relations, and I had planned to use what I learned to help people to vote and to mobilize for different organizations okay. and um, social impact, you know, things that mean something to them. And I ended up using it to help people buy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> So it turns out that the same motivations and techniques that you would use to help help someone vote a certain way is the same energy that you would use to help someone buy something a certain way. So I ended up working for um, a cash securities company. I worked in finance and then I worked in um, luxury real estate for several years and working with those agents who were selling those properties and they were walking home with six six figure commission checks and seven figure commission checks. A lot of them would open up additional businesses. And I was the marketing director for Colwell Banker Residential Real Estate here in South Florida. And they would listen to me, tell them how to market their homes and all these t- digital tools and all this stuff that I would suggest that they use and it would work. Nice. So when they opened a laundromat, or a boutique store, or, you know, they started manufacturing hair care products or whatever it may have been, they would say, well, Vivian, if you can market that, can't you tell me how to market this? Mm -hmm. And um, it got so much that my company actually asked me to incorporate a business so that they could pay me (laughs) separately from my my (laughs) salary to cover 
to cover the work that was being done for the agents um, for their own personal little projects. Okay. And it just got to a point where I was making enough. And when yes. I looked at my options, um, truthfully, I was, on, I was in Peru. I was at Mach Machu Picchu. And okay. I was sitting on the cliff and looking at the beautiful place. And I thought, and it was a Tuesday. And I said, you know why? Why is this not my life every day? Right. Why am I? Why am I working for someone if I can do take it. care of myself right. and I can do it? So that when I came back, I put in my two weeks' notice. Wow! Well, that's an amazing story. So you're on for in Peru, just realizing mm -hmm. kind of where life has just kind of organically placed you. Um, not having that plan, what would you say from the corporate jobs that you had? Um, were your most, I guess, one that you didn't even really like? It was like, okay, I need to pivot. I need to do something else. You know you what? Because, because, I, because I started working during the recession, there were so many opportunities, and I really learned a lot from every single corporate job that I did have. But one of the lessons that I would say that I walked away with was that there's no security in working for someone else. Mm. That's that's the major lesson that I walked away with because there wasn't one particular job that I necessarily just disliked. I liked different things about all of my jobs, but I also, since I was the first one in, was usually the first one to go. And during right. the recession, I was let go three times. So I really didn't get a chance to, you know, to, to build up any kind of animosity or negative feelings about any of the, of the businesses. But I learned that corporate America and the, the truth that the generations before us may have absorbed and learned of, oh, you got to get a job. You want to get that watch. You're going to retire. You're going to yeah, yeah. your best and like all this stuff. And I just could not sync with that narrative at all, period, because I, th you know, I was learning and seeing over and over again that, no, that's not true, that I will work here. They're going to try and get me to work for the least amount of money They're right work hard and then if there's a cut or if the if things continue how they are I'm going to be the first one to go there's only right. so much commitment that you can give to a job if you know that that's the reality of the situation that is so true so I know you kind of help with marketing and kind of help with social media and things of that nature but do you also work with clients who are maybe kind of one foot in one foot out they're in corporate they're doing great but they realize I could even do better by myself do you help them make that transition or what's your advice for someone who's listening who's like oh my gosh this is me and, and thinking about making that transition Yes, and I love those type of clients. So I have two businesses. I have my business, Vivian Olden LLC, which is a uh, consulting business where I work with people who are in that exact scenario who are trying to decide, you know, how do I balance being a being an entrepreneur you know you work for someone else but you have a side hustle or you have some um you know you have some different passions that you're working on within your business sometimes mm -hmm. that can become your leading project within that business and you want to know how do i leverage this how do i grow this thing how do i get the most bang for my buck for for the energy that's being spent on this so yeah i do i work with them one-on-one -on -one. um usually we work together in three months six months nine months um, arrangements where we plan we plan and we look at what are some of the mindset changes that you you're going to need to make mm 
because working, you know, working for someone else and working for yourself is, is very different. I was just thinking today about the reality of being an entrepreneur in this pandemic yes. and the situation we find ourselves in and that the fact that May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Go figure. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful space, you know, to kind of bring these two thought processes together. And the difference between working for someone else and being an entrepreneur is being willing to take on responsibility, that you assume the risk. And it doesn't matter how much support you have, how many co- coaches you work with, how many online courses you may take. There, there's a point where you have to take the leap. Yes. And sometimes that leap is just opening the LLC and having a website that works. Yeah. And you still have a job. It doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't have to be as dramatic as, as we may think. Absolutely. And I agree with that. So what would you say for yourself even when you made that transition and realized that you're full in effect in your business of your own and no longer answering to anyone in corporate, what was the biggest mindset shift you had? Because it is a very strong mental game, (laughs) especially for those who have been conditioned even subconsciously to get that nine to five. You get that degree, you go to school, you get the grades, you graduate and you get that corporate job and you get that fortune 500, you know, you work in there and and then you're falling to the clouds and you're like, oh, I'll do this for myself. And then boom. There's a mental block. There's something there. So what was your biggest uh, mindset shift? My biggest mindset shift was um, time management and mm-hmm. how I used my time. So, and when I say that, you know, I came from, um, from positions that require quite a bit of my time. So I regularly worked long, long hours. I worked with people who um, were very wealthy or they had a lot of influence and they weren't always very nice and they, you know, they could be very pushy or mm-hmm. demanding and all of these different things. And one of the, th- one of the main things that I had to learn as an entrepreneur was that I had a choice in what type of people I would work with. Absolutely. And, and I couldn't believe, you know, because yeah. you, you think about like, you know, I have confidence, I have self-esteem, I have this thing. Right. And there is nothing that is more, <laughs> more of a personal development project mm-hmm. than opening your own business. <laughs> <laughs> You learn so much about yourself because, you know, everything starts and ends with you. And the thing I had to learn was just because someone is willing to pay, because then there's also the the challenge when you open your business of how much are you charging too? Because, you know, because sometimes you're not really charging enough. You're charging what you think you deserve, usually based on whatever your salary was at the time in your corporate job, not realizing that that has nothing to do with your price point whatsoever. And so... So when it comes to, you know, what you're charging and then you start to look at, okay, well, I'm charging X amount of money, which I would hope is more than what you would make at work or at least the same. Mm-hmm. And then when you're dealing with clients that have different personality types, so they may not be the nicest people or, you know, different things like that. And one of the things that I had to learn was that I don't need to do business with everybody, that I have a lot of choice, yeah. that I don't have to run myself ragged yeah. to, to make a dollar, that that's uh-huh. just not, 
It's not required. And that's yeah. something that when you work in corporate America is very much encouraged for you to kind of run yourself to the bone. And then there's in entrepreneurship, we, a lot of us suffer from burnout because we're trying to do too many things at once. Um, and that, that also falls in line with the time management. So the first thing was, was understanding that I did not have to take money and do business with everybody. I had a choice. And then as time went on, because you asked me in the beginning, but as time went on, I learned that you need to get help. Yeah. So how has your transition been for those of us who have kind of established a business, they're going two, three years into it. And I know one of the hardest things for me was um, releasing my baby for other people to help me with. <laughs> and I guess I had that like strong type A control thing going on that I inherited. You know, mm -hmm. you know I spent a lot of my life running from that from a parent who's like that and thinking, oh, not me, not me, but then... I'm not like that. Right, exactly. <laughs> oh, but we find out. <laughs> and yeah. you're like, it was, it was a, almost eye-opening for me because I know at one point in time, I had a couple of interns and I work with colleges a lot too. So I had, um, they approached me about doing my, um, part of my social media part um, for their internship and things of that nature. So I was like, oh, okay, that'll be cool. And so as I'm itemizing what I need them to do, I'm like, no, I could do that. No, I could do that. And so there really wasn't anything on the list. And then, and then um, I'm like, okay, well, if I delegate this, I have to teach them how to do this. Well, if I teach them how to do it, I might as well just do it. Like it was all of those kind of concepts, right? And then even further, my husband is like, um, I know we have a business. You run the business, but we have a business. But he's like, you don't let me in. I have no idea except for when you need an SOS. You're like, hey. He's like, but on a day-to-day, -day, I have no idea. You do not let me in. And so I had to sit with that and think about it. I'm like, I don't, but it's mine. Like, you know, it was like, <laughs> like why do I have to? But the more I thought about that, it was actually doing a disservice. And I was running myself a little bit crazy, homeschooling two girls at two different stages of their lives. Um, they're semi-professional dancers. So then being a dance mom and going to all the, it was, it was a lot. And then I consulted yeah. guys. So sometimes when I thought I was done with a consulting project and then I can focus on my business, they'll call me back or they want this part. Or, and so it was a lot. So with that being said, how did you freely maybe not even freely, but what were the steps in letting other people in to assist you? And how do you navigate through that? Well, that's one of the positives that I learned from working in corporate America, believe it or not, okay. is that um, when I was working on different projects, so I've worked, when I worked with Cobalt Banker, we actually worked on a Super Bowl commercial. I used to work on quite large projects. I've worked mm -hmm. on um, selling Scotty Pippen's home on Matt Damon's home on several, you know, just very large projects. And right. I could not eliminate the reality that there were always many people who worked on the team. Gotcha. There wasn't one time where we were able to produce something really monumental oh, yeah. or move or, mm -hmm. you know, that made an impact that didn't take more than a couple of people. So when I started my business, the business essentially came through me and I almost immediately reached out to a friend of mine and started to ask for help as far gotcha. as implementing the project. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and that was because of my experience in corporate America. Now it took 
from there, we grew the business and Flourish Media is a business that I run with, uh, that I did run with, with two other you know, women and now I run primarily with one of them. We manage the day-to-day of the business and we did that for several years before we brought on any interns, before we brought on any staff mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and our logic was, well, we are experts in what we do and if, if I ask someone to do it, it takes longer than if I just did it myself and we also were that also was battling with what we were charging our clients because when you have more help you have to charge more money because you have to pay everybody so you know that was the big mindset shift was that you know we can't we cannot give deals promises hookups anything when you become a business that is now growing because your responsibility is to the business and the business includes your staff, which, uh, which is a part of, you know, what's going on right now with the pandemic and a lot of business owners are struggling with keeping their staff on and dealing with a lot of challenges. But ultimately, if you peel back a little bit, you will find that the original problem was that you weren't charging the right price for your business anyway. Ouch. Because, you, you know, if you Ouch. were. <laughs> Thank you. It's just the truth. No, you're you know, it's just right. the truth. It's if you were charging right. right, you wouldn't have this problem. So, I mean, so for, for, for us, well, and for me, what I ultimately did was that I cared more about the integrity of my business and the quality of our service mm-hmm. more than I cared about being in charge or being able to be a martyr to tell people I'm working so hard and nobody's (laughs) helping me. You know, I had to, and it it wasn't overnight. It was little by little, but it was also because I was running my company with um, my other business partners that they would bring these things to my attention. Right. right. And hearing their complaints and then me complaining to them is what ultimately made the chance where we said, okay, well, we can't, we can't be like this. So what is the solution? I love that. Yeah. And I think that's even great for the solopreneur out there. Um, just putting yourself in the company of like-minded other individuals, listening yeah. to podcasts like this and being able to hear someone from a, all across the world and being able to hear their perspective and how things have shifted their business, being able to do a Zoom meeting and have coffee and tea where just they come together and just either vent, share ideas, collaborate, all of those type of things just brings us to a higher level of our business and to ourselves, does some self-reflection, some looks in the mirror is like, ooh, okay, the ouch moments. Because yeah. <laughs> I was yes. like, okay, even with the pandemic, I was like 75% of my um, clients are like, well, I have to pivot, I have to pause, I, I need to wait, I can't pay you right now, I don't have any income coming in because I deal with a lot of clients who are making their transition out of their nine to five, so they're still needing that nine to five. And when that nine to five is gone, there's no income for them to pay me. And so all those type of things were like you kind of mentioned, and my husband's been on me about this too. If I would have charged more than what, not more than what I was worth, but more than just the staple of covering expenses, but also the mm-hmm. knowledge, the years that I've went into the, all the things that come with the package of who I am and what I provide it. I mean, and I'm not hurting, but let this go on forever. 
then you're like, okay. Yeah, eventually it becomes an issue. And I Absolutely. mean, and that's reasonable. That's reasonable for anybody. Absolutely. There's no judge. There is no judgment. You're listening to this and thinking, oh my God, look at what they're saying. <laughs> no, there's no judgment about Absolutely. this. The only reason why I could say that is because I've done it and mm-hmm. do it. I have a couple of clients even right now that I'm thinking, oh, the structure of how we set up that contract is not going to work in a couple of weeks, yeah. but it happens. But that's why when I'm consulting with with clients or when as a company when we're working on projects that we lean into honesty because when you are honest about the project when you're honest about what you're producing when you're honest about how you're running the company that is where the lessons are remember my book stumbling through adulthood it's a guided journal failing forward (laughs) so if you fail that's okay you just don't fail backwards don't do the same thing again learn from it and be able to move on learn the lesson or as my husband always asks me so what did we learn (laughs) just like (laughs) ah exactly that's great okay so Another aspect of kind of the things I like to find out about entrepreneurs and small business owners or even big business owners is when you were starting this adventure, you find yourself in it, what were your family and friends saying? Were they supportive? Were they like, oh my gosh, she's gone crazy? Like, what, were their, what was their feedback? And if it was positive, wonderful. If it was negative, how did you power through that anyhow? Well, for me, I feel like I've been in a unique situation because my parents are immigrants. My father's from Nigeria. My, my mother's from Panama. They both work for the military. They were soldiers. They went through the whole process, retired and all of that. And most of my family works for the government or they are soldiers. That's what, that's what we do. That's what we do. And, yeah. So for me, when I went to school, like I said, I thought I would be working on political campaign. I know enough about myself to know I'm not going to go to basic training. I don't like them yelling at me. I don't want to do anything physical whatsoever. That's not, that's not my life, but I can use my brain to also contribute to to the same the uh, story right. as yeah. my family, yes. that same legacy. So when I didn't have the opportunity to do that, it really crushed me. I mean, it, it, it rocked my foundation. Yeah. And from there, my family had always supported me and honestly told me that I should just be a business owner. And they would say it all the time like you you know you don't need to you why you let those people tell you you know when you can take a vacation why are you take why are you taking the salary at that point because remember their reality of working for someone and my reality in the recession was so dramatically different that they were they just couldn't fathom why are you allowing yourself to be treated this way What's the narrative that I was getting? Absolutely. So um, what would happen was even in my jobs, they were, <laughs> I always had side projects and things going on. And the, the more, and I was learning how to navigate that space too, which I talk about in my book, Stumbling Through Adulthood, is that, you know, I didn't realize how much do you tell your coworkers about your personal life and how much do you not? And sometimes I would get a job and I'd be very open. Then that would come back and bite me in the butt because they say, well, you're making money doing this and this and this and this and this. So you don't need this job. You can go. Then I would go to the next job and I wouldn't share about myself because I had learned not, you know, be to be more reclusive. And then they would let me go because they said, well, you're not connecting with everybody. You don't have relationships here. And it was just a matter of, you know, finding the balance. But for me, you know, like I said, I always wanted to work for someone else. 
I saw myself getting that retirement wife, getting the awards and the accolades. I understand the beautiful support system that comes from working in an in a established business and how safe that is. But what do we say about being an entrepreneur? An entrepreneur is someone who can take the risk. Absolutely. And I'm a risk taker. I've jumped out of planes. I've done things. So it wasn't, it really didn't align with my true personality to try and work for someone else anyway. And if I look back, I honestly think it was God pushing me to be an entrepreneur and putting me in situations where I had to figure out my own situation and make my own money uh, because ultimately I love my life now and I wouldn't trade it for anything, but my family have always been very supportive. They couldn't help me with anything. Right. right. <laughs> they couldn't help me. They couldn't give me advice. They couldn't give me right. any right. money. They couldn't tell me where to, where to register anything. Yeah. What kind of lawyer I needed. They couldn't tell me the service, nothing, right. but they, but they said, you should have a business because yeah. I'm working for the government. I don't like people telling me what to do every day, but that, you know, but they love support. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So you mentioned a couple of things, um, a couple of times as far as even with the corporate and getting the watch and getting the rewards and getting the accolades for working and doing well in a corporate um, business. One of the things I like to do is always showcase no matter at what stage we are in our business is to how do we reward ourselves for our small victories, our big victories. So what are your, some of your favorite rewards for a small victory and what's your favorite reward for yourself for a big victory? And also at what point of your year will you give yourself that watch? <laughs> that is such a good question. Um, I would say I reward myself with, um, I reward myself with time off and just quality time with friends and family, which I mean, at this point, I'm done. I don't need any more. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. But like just to relax and be able to um, to spend time in Miami. You know, I, I'm from L.A. I okay. went to high school in L.A. and I moved okay. to Miami, Florida for college. And this place is beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, I don't really have to go far to feel like I'm on vacation. So just taking time out of the office, um, out of my home office and spending time in my city yes. is a reward. Yes. And then, with this, which would be a small reward. And then my large reward is a vacation. I am a vacation taking somebody. I love yes. to be on a plane. Um, so... This is killing for, you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm looking forward to being able to enjoy that no, again. Yeah. Okay, so what year are you giving yourself the watch? Um, I don't know. So, well, this what year, year. What year are you in this year? What year is this? This is my sixth year. Okay. So I think that the the watch year. I mean, why not do it next year? Okay. Well, <laughs> why not do it now? Yeah, seven's a lucky number. Okay, I'm going to follow up, and I'm, I'm going to need to see the picture of the watch on your seventh year. Okay? I want to be watching. Sure. Watching literally for the watch. <laughs> I'm a little corny. Okay, perfect. If um, Where's your number one place that you like to travel, that you've already traveled to, which has been your favorite, and then where is um, your kind of like big dream vision board next stop? Of where you want to travel to so I guess where you've already been what what has been your favorite and what's on the list 
Um, of all the places that I've been, I did go on a, I went on a cruise with my husband where we stopped in several different places. Mm -hmm. uh, we were able to go to Turkey and Greece and Italy. It was fantastic. And I would say that Turkey was my favorite place to visit. Okay. Um, I liked the historical sites that, that yes. were there and being able to look at it and see it and just make that history that you read about in, you know, in books and things right. and make it real. I just love that. And yes. um, a place that I want to go to, I really want to go to um, Morocco. Okay. I would love to go to Morocco. And I've also really want to go to um, New Zealand. I've always wanted to go to those two places. Perfect. Perfect, perfect. I know New Zealand's on my list too. That's awesome. All right. So you mentioned your hubby. What do you guys do in your downtime together? What's your favorite thing to do? What is our favorite? I think our favorite thing to do is travel. We travel yes. a lot. We've been to a lot of different places and it's been wonderful creating those memories together. Yeah. And does he have his own job too? Yes, he has yeah. his own company. It's called Truth and Code. He's a computer programmer. Yeah, and you guys work at home together? Yes, we work at home together. Can we explain that dynamic <laughs> of working at home together? <laughs> yes. So we have been working at home together now, I think, for four years. Okay. And we have our separate desk. We share an office okay. space. Okay. But we have our separate desks. I think a big part of being able to work with other people, period, is this right here, headphones, <laughs> make a difference. You know, if you're going to be on calls and things, you want to be able to have your own kind right. of space. And then also respecting other people's workflow. Yeah. Because um, just because you may not work well in the morning doesn't mean that you can engage your partner or the person you're spending the time with in these long, deep conversations or whatever it may be yeah. first thing in the morning because maybe that, you know, that's their energized time. And the same thing for, you know, if they're working yeah. late at night, mm -hmm. give them their space to work at night. I think it's really important to do that. And it's also worth it um, to set up your desk area just to have an established place that is yours. Even if, you know, you know, for me, I'm, uh, as a marketing strategist, I spend a lot of time thinking. So sometimes I'm laying in the bed and I'm thinking about right. a client. Right. Or, you know, I'm sitting in the living room or whatever. But you can work from anywhere. It's a beautiful thing about working from home. But it's a good idea to have one set space okay. where you want to be focused to be able Absolutely. to do that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. I love that. Good, 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 good. So what is your favorite thing to do by yourself when you're not traveling? My favorite thing to do by myself is to consume ratchet television. I am about it, okay? I like dry humor. I like drama. I like the most frivolous type of thing. I discovered um, I have a YouTube channel. I'm at Vivian Olo. If you want to follow me on YouTube, follow my videos. I made a video about uh, the marketing strategies that we see in Tiger King, okay? Oh. Yeah, because they, they've done a great job of branding out there, okay? Yeah, you got to brand yourself, okay? Yes. Carol Baskin and the other one, like, yes, it's just so much even, drama. They weren't even ready. <laughs> they weren't ready, but it's just, like, there's so many lessons in, yes. um, in watching how people promote themselves. Like, right. we all know who Justin Bieber is. We know who Drake is. Right. But we all forget that they started out on YouTube making videos uh -huh. uh, just like Cardi B. And, you yes. know, we, we which is a uh, modern-day example of the same exact thing. Yes. And I just really hope 
that more people would use social media, the power of social media, and what you can do when you get exposure for good things. Because there's a lot of nonprofits, there's a lot of social impact organizations that could do phenomenal work. Mm-hmm. But they don't they don't tell anybody about what they do. So we just see more and more of the, yeah. you know, of the Instagram model and fill in the blank of anything else that you perceive as negative. Right. We see more of that as opposed to the positive things. Yeah, visibility. Mm-hmm. It matters. Yeah. It absolutely does. Okay, so you got a lot of different hats and different umbrellas that you do. Out of all the industries that you've worked in, is there one industry that you're still like, oh, I cannot wait to work with them, or I cannot wait to get in? Is there one industry that's just still your heart is burning for? That is such a good question. I don't know that there is. I think that for me, when I'm looking for clients or I'm working on projects, the thing that I find the most Uh, satisfying is working with entrepreneurs and small business owners or organizations that care about the impact that they make in the world around them Mm -hmm. that they're not taking all the time but that they're giving back yeah and um for me you know i've really been blessed to work on a number of different projects last year i was able to work with the jamaican soccer team in the world cup uh designing their campaign and everything that was going on in europe and that was fantastic i also had the chance to work with the bob marley foundation and putting together a christmas treats event where we put together um enough back to school and uh, resources for kids in five different townships in Jamaica. Um, and I would, I would, you know what, Akon has a project right now in Africa where he's working on adding solar power to different remote, um, tents, not tents, but like towns uh, and different huts and um, things like that. And I would love to be able to work on a project like that just because of the, the logistics of it is very attractive to me. I love big projects and really thinking through a campaign, but then on the other side of it, just knowing that the work that's being done is being done for the benefit of people which is great I love that and so kind of seeing where you still have um, goals and aspirations and things to obtain and then let's go back you know six years in the beginning when you first started and I know you kind of organically flowed out of that so you probably already had a good um, group of clients or good people to follow but what's your advice for those who are just starting out and they just want their first client. How? What's the best approach versus in someone's inbox? Ah, da, 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 or even like thinking just simple, simplistically going to even network marketer. That first network marketer just signed up and they're like, I own the business. <laughs> what is your advice to just get that first client, that first sale? Uh, my advice, and brace yourself, those of you who are listening, we're keeping it true and raw right now, okay? <laughs> my advice is to focus on what you do well, not focus on what you like to do. Mm. Because people are not paying you for your passion. That is nonsense, okay? Mm. And the more and more you get into your business, the more and more you will see that that is nonsense. Nobody cares about how passionate you are about your business. They care about how well you execute the services or the product that you're producing for their benefit. People give you money because they have a pain point and you are alleviating that pain. Now you can get a lot of joy and passion out of the process in which you alleviate that pain. Absolutely. You know, but if you can't do that, they're not going to pay you because you feel excited about doing whatever it is. 
So I, and I want to make this very clear. The very first thing that someone paid me for that um, in my business that I have right now was I maintain a book of, of business cards. Okay. Something I've done forever because I'm a military brat. I've moved around a lot and I just, I cherish contact information because I realize that there's a point in which you might be separated from someone and you need to get in contact with them. So it's just a habit that I have. Okay. I was, so I was supporting a, a real, a realtor who made over seven figures and she noticed that I had this habit of, I would get the card, I made a spreadsheet, put it in the, my binder and I had just had it on my desk. And she came to me one day and said, Vivian, I have all these business cards because as a realtor, as an insurance salesperson, as a network marketer, as all these different mm-hmm. people that you have all these contacts and it's like your money is in your list. Absolutely. So this is coming all the way around, okay? Yes, I, so, I see it. <laughs> so your ability to make money has everything to do with your ability to, to nurture relationships with people. So what she paid me for was to simply organize her business cards and to duplicate the system that I had already had for myself right. to do it for her. Right. And once I once I did, she immediately turned those contacts into money because her contacts were, you know, very wealthy people who wanted to buy seven and eight figure houses. And she was so grateful. So she ended up referring me to somebody else and they referred me to someone else. And that's actually the very first service that I offer was simply organizing your contacts. And I, and I did that for $500 a pop. Wow. So you know, so don't think you have to do it, you know, have to do something for like a dollar because you love it. That's not the case because I would do that. I do it five times, you know, and I'm going on vacation. I'm going to the Bahamas for the week. Right, right, right. (laughs) No, I love that. And that's just one tier of where you started and what you were going for and what you were doing and what and I love the fact that it was probably so easy for you and took you with ease where I would have been like, give me four months. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. And again, that goes back to the passion because it doesn't right. have to be, it doesn't have, you don't have to be passionate about it. You need to be good right. at it uh-huh. and it should take all of your time and effort to do, right. but it, but you, it should be an actual result, a transformation, a, mm-hmm. a pain point mm-hmm. that you are solving for that person because it turned that service turned into my very first high selling service, which was called uh, digital reputation. And it was, and what I did was then I would look at someone who's coming into real estate because I worked with realtors mostly uh, because again, remember I was the marketing director for Cobalt Banker. So I would take a realtor who maybe they used to be a, a neurosurgeon or a teacher or whatever. Now they're a realtor and I would Google them and see what came up. And I would say, okay, this is your digital reputation. It was a report of what you, you know, this is what people see about you when they yeah. look at you. Yeah. And then we would, I would do what I knew how to do because, I'm, because I am a marketing strategist to change the first result page, Got the it. first and second result page, so that what came up aligned with whatever type of business they wanted to have as a realtor. Mm. Okay, and that started again, $500. I didn't know. Oh, to good nuggets, yes. Yeah, yeah. $500. Yeah. Then it went up to $1,500. And right. I think now I don't even offer that service anymore, right. but I would do one or two of those. Right. And you can do the math. Right, exactly. Wow. 
All right. I love it. And speaking of digital, you have a special offer or freebie for the rest of us digitally for our listeners, both yours and mine. And so I'll give you the opportunity to share exactly what that is now. Yes, I am so excited. My company, Flourish Media, was hired to work with the Miami Tourism and Hospitality Board here in South Florida, and we created a contingency plan, a continuity plan for small business owners who are now transitioning and working from home. We gave a webinar that had hundreds of people that participated, and what we did is we took all of the useful resources from that webinar, and we put it into a free guide that all of you all are going to get. So you're going to... Be able to take all that information about having a digital business, working from home, and the different types of tools that are available, both free and paid, Mm -hmm. in one document that you can reference. It's hyperlinked. It's pretty. So you just click on it, and you'll be able to use it right away. So we'll share that link for you so you can download it today. Absolutely. Well, I just thank you so much for your time. And thank you for all the little nuggets that you have dropped on us. And I know people are going to be inspired, influenced, and then we're going to go into action and not being afraid to fail forward because we know that's just one step closer to our success. Thank you so much. If there's one thing that you could share about us that's just fun, brilliant, sassy you that we don't know from Googling you, that we don't know from looking at your papers and things of that nature. Like you're pulling the layer back for us sitting on the couch with your favorite beverage. What are you spilling on us? What are you telling us? Well, first of all, I'm drinking a slushy lush, which is a Malibu and a limeade, simply limeade. Okay. It is delicious. I suggest it. And then the other thing is that you don't have to do anything on your own. We have a free Facebook group. It's called FMC, Where Women Do Business. It stands for Flourish Media Conference, which is our conference that we host in Miami, Florida once a year. And I would encourage you to join because we share information all the time. We host our uh, master classes every Wednesday at 8 p.m. We give free marketing resources. So FMC, Where Women Do Business, is where you should go. And that is where you will discover... (laughs) <laughs> my gleaming personality because you will see go. me <laughs> more often in that in that group all right well perfect well it has been a pleasure and an honor and i thank you so much for taking the moment of your day of your time and sharing a bit of you your companies your endeavors your books and all the things that encompass you so just thank you so much it has definitely been an honor and i appreciate you Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening. And make sure you share this with your friends and family. Share this with everybody you think can get anything out of it. And support Dr. Nicole. She's putting this awesome information together for the benefit of all of us. Wow, what an awesome conversation me and Miss Vivian had. I am so ecstatic that we were brought together and able to really hear about her endeavors, how she came across her business, and how she has truly since flourished. So I am excited. You guys need to keep watching her and following her. Check out her social media pages. And don't forget to get that free social media guide at socialmediaguide.work. Take care.